all right, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through to 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through to 10. And it says this, it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that, it may grow, so that you may grow up into your salvation. I love that, that we gotta actually grow up into our salvation. So any of us who think like it's just one and done, it just happens, here's the Bible telling you that it's actually a process, come on. That at the end of the day, just have, we don't just arrive at some beautiful space. We don't just arrive at perfection. You'll never arrive at perfection. I won't arrive at perfection. But what we get to do is, is we, get to, we get to enjoy God's word. We get to grow in and therefore grow up into our salvation. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, and as you come to him, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves, and here's what we're gonna really focus on today, you yourselves as living stones. Come on, someone shout living stones. Come on, someone shout living stones. A spiritual house. You're being built up into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in scripture. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And once you were not a people, but you are now God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, what a, what a powerful, powerful piece of scripture. So today, as we continue on in our series, you are here. I wanna speak to you from the subject, the house that God built, part two. Um, if you need like a subplot for this message today, um, we're just going deep. This is like total inception moment. It's like three levels down, okay? So we're in the series, you are here with a little mini series called The House That God Built. But if you need like a strong title for today's message, just put this, oxymoron. <laughs> just put that at the top of your paper, oxymoron. And uh, let's pray one more time as we get into the message today. Father, I thank you for your word. It's alive, it's active. It has the ability to transform us from the inside out. So God, right now we ask you to speak. Our ears are open. Our minds are ready, our hearts are receptive for the seed of your word. God, I pray that it would be planted in good soil today and it would take root in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna throw some pictures up on the screen. I want you, I want you to see this. Here's, here's the first one, um, imperfect, imperfect perfection. Do we have those guys? Imperfect perfection. These are oxymorons. How many of you have heard of an oxymoron? How many of you are sitting next to stop right now? <laughs> Imperfect perfection. Here, here's, a, here's another one. I just found these uh, on, the, uh, on the internet this week. Here's, here's the next one, jumbo shrimp. Check this out. Does anybody ever wonder why that's a thing, right? Because shrimp aren't jumbo. That's the whole point, just so we're clear on this. I saw this one the other day. You might see this in, in New York. Genuine fake watches. <laughs> this was a... And if you've ever bought one of those watches, um, let's pray for you after service today. <laughs> I love this one, guys. We wanna throw up the next one? Let's just let everybody see it really quick. Historic Life-Saving Station Cemetery. 
It's an oxymoron. It, it doesn't make sense. I feel like what we're going to do is we're going to turn this segment of the message every week into Jimmy Fallon's show. So we're just going to go through some, through some signs. And then here's the last one. None of you need to have this happen in your life, but here you go. Affordable bankruptcy. There you <laughs> and it's right here that Peter offers to us one of the most significant oxymorons that you will find in Scripture. It's actually one of the only times that it will be talked about in Scripture, and it's this phrase right here, living stones. Because how many of you to realize that that's not true? It doesn't, it doesn't really work. There's no, there's no such thing as a living stone. It's not possible. And of course, one would realize pretty quickly that that stones don't live, they don't, they don't breathe, they don't feel, which should cause us to understand that Peter, by using this illustration, is trying to make a very strong point and a significant point at that, is that who we are, living stones, in relation to Jesus, the living stone, are being built into something significant, and that is a spiritual house. This is important because God does not wanna build a spiritual house with dead stones. He wants to build a spiritual house with living stones. Come on, somebody. That means his house is living, that the house is vibrant, that his, this thing called the house of the church, that it's living and breathing and it's moving and it's impacting. So Peter calls you and I living stones. Why? Because we are connected to the life giver. You're being built into a holy priesthood, he says, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, there are some very important points of clarification that we must make here before we move into the practical application of this message. And if you've noticed over the past couple of weeks, this is a very teaching-oriented message. So are you guys okay with a lot of scripture today? With lots and lots and lots of Bible to get, to get through. But um, last week we looked at Christ as the first and the original living stone that the church is built on. So we got another stone this week that I actually get to stand on. Whoa. Let's go to the edges. Go to the edge. You never stand in the middle of a frozen lake. Okay, so, so now that you can get the illustration, we have this stone. I'm not gonna stand like this all day. That's weird. Okay, so, but we've got the, the living stone to which everything is built upon that you and I are being called now living stones because we are built upon the living stone. And I want you to see this application because this is this house, this church, this thing that he's building both here locally, globally, across the world, big C and little C. And so I want us to have this picture as we, as we come to him, though, is the important clarification that Peter makes. And it's important that we understand that because coming to Jesus does some things in our life. Here's the first one. Peter highlights there, that there is a directional change in our life. See, to come to Jesus is to say that we are shifting our attention from one thing to another, and that is the person and the work of Jesus. Peter then tells us that this shift in direction will result in something significant taking place in our lives. The result is highlighted as he writes, you yourselves as living stones. Peter then highlights this other term. Now, it's, it's not a term that he uses, but it's a term that I stumbled across uh, this week with the help of Lauren Snyder over here. And uh, I'm gonna try to say this term. It's a biological term and it's holometabolis. Come on, say that three times fast. It's a holomo, holometabolis change that takes place in our, in our lives. This is a biology word that speaks to what supernaturally happens in and through Jesus. 
So this is, and I quote from Lauren, just in case it's wrong, you can talk to her. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm pretty sure it's right. And it's, here's, here's the, here, here it goes. Organisms that undergo complete metamorphosis are called holometabolists. It's from the Greek words holo for complete or whole, meta for change, and the noun bol, bol for to throw. So this whole word means completely changed, wholly changing, and in this case, what happens is that Jesus takes dead things and brings them back to life. The complete change that takes place is the life that is dead in sin is brought back to life by way of God's grace. Come on, somebody, that's good news. Romans chapter eight, verses nine through 11, Paul writes this. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So the good news of salvation in Jesus is that I was once dead, but now I am alive. I was once lost, but now I am found. That everything that I need in life is found in Jesus. And this is an important process that Peter highlights for us because it's these living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. You and I are being built into a spiritual house. And then he says, to be built into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter's point is to help us understand who we are and what we become in Jesus. These verses are rich with purpose and, and identity. And while Peter was writing to sojourners and exiles, he wanted his readers and us to know that we still have a base identity. That just because we're not at home in this world does not mean that we are void of an identity. We are living stones, and living stones are the products of the life giver. And so what I wanna do with the remainder of our time today is I wanna take a look at what living stones are, what they look like, if we are to understand our life as living stones. Now, I wanna say this as a qualifier. Today, there's many people in this church, all kinds of different backgrounds and spaces that you're coming from. I know for many of us in this room today, uh, we would consider ourselves as Christ followers, studiers of God's word, trying to follow Jesus, this, this life that he's leading us on. I know for some of us in the room today, we wouldn't consider ourselves that. And I just wanna encourage you and ask you to lean in with us today and maybe hear the heart of the gospel for your life and for my life. And I say that because here at The Well, we're, we're making a little bit of a term. And I understand that maybe church for the past 20 years for a lot of us has been us trying to make things palatable and, and entertaining and all those different things. Can I just say to you today, you've come to a place where we are gonna dig into God's word to understand what it means. Cause I don't need another flashy thing. I need truth to stand on. But it should be the most encouraging message you've heard because you're about to find out who you are in Christ who I am in Christ. And that is a powerful power truth that when applied to my life and your life changes everything, amen? amen. All right, so here's the first thing that I wanna look at. Come on, I need your help today, everybody shout number one. one. 
Here's the first thing that we need to understand about living stones, and it's this, is that living stones are spirit-led stones. Living stones are spirit-led stones. Big piece of scripture, Galatians chapter 5, 16 through to 26. He says this, this is Paul writing, says, I say, then walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. You ever been there before? Come on, you ever been there before? Can we just have a therapy moment in church today? You've wanted to do something, but then you didn't do the thing that you wanted to do? Come on, right? I think we've all gone to that place. We've all been in that place where it's like, man, like none of us woke up today and be like, you know what I hope? I hope I, I have a, just a big dosage of doing what I don't wanna do. Like none of, us, none of us went there today as we woke up, but the Bible's telling us that even as Christ followers, there's this battle that's taking place in our, in our life. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, he continues on to say. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And then he says this just so if that's not enough, he says anything similar. <laughs> you fill in the gaps of what that might be. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I wanna just stop for just a second and clarify a word that we need to understand uh, at a very important level. Notice he uses the term, he says, those who practice. How many of you would agree with me there's a difference between practicing and making a mistake? Okay, now, just, just for, if we can go backwards, guys, go back, there, there we go. Just like, as a heads up, some of these things just kind of naturally happen out of our humanity, but some of these you have to decide your way into. So let's be very clear on that. That's what the Bible's talking about. But he says, those who practice those things. And what that means is those of us who get up and say, today, I'm, going, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get in there with some enviness. And we're just gonna, we're gonna get, we're like, we're gonna sip it down with some drunkenness. And, and we're gonna add to it with a little bit of carousing, right? And, and really, honestly, today's gonna, gonna be a day of anything similar. That's what it means to, to practice. So again, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't be like, well, see, they're being all legalistic and crazy and, and I, I can't be a perfect person. No, you're right. You can't be a perfect person, but I can be a person who is spirit led. And so therefore I'm sitting in a place where I'm constantly battling this thing out. I'm not practicing something, but rather I'm submitting to something. So verse 22, so there's all these things, the flesh, but then he says this, and I love this. Because faith is actually simple, and this is what comes from it. But first, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So we got a massive list of the flesh and a simplified list of the Spirit. I love that. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... There's some important language. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So what we must realize is the Spirit of God is not some bullish force pulling us in the direction that He wants us to go. Rather, to be led by the Spirit is to be beckoned toward a better and more resolute position found in and through the grace of God. 
This is what Paul would, would write in Romans chapter two, verse four. He said this, or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you towards repentance? His kindness, come on, someone shout kindness. <laughs> See, here's what I've come to realize. We like the concept of this truth. However, the application is where it breaks down for many of us because we would rather be forced by the spirit than to walk by the Spirit. Let me say that one more time. Let that sink in for a second. Many of us, if we're real, we would rather be forced by the Spirit rather than walk by the Spirit. And this is an important designation because to, to be forced is to be pulled. Like some of us want like on, like on a Sunday morning, the Spirit of God to just lasso us and just be like, come on. Come on, and we're like, oh, okay. But rather, that's not what the Bible's indicating. The Bible's indicating something very different is that you and I walk by the Spirit. It's out of our own volition. It's out of our own decision-making. We're simply saying, no, today, this is the day that the Lord has made. And so today I'm deciding that my mind, my heart, my will, my emotions, the faculties of my body are gonna stay in step with the Spirit of God. And so it's kind of like, oh, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna walk with you. He doesn't play that game, that'd be rude. But he walks and we stay with him. Y'all recognize what I'm trying to put out there. Notice that Paul is assessing with this to walk by the Spirit. Here's, here's where it gets really just kind of guttural for us. To be led or to walk by the Spirit is really an assessment of our desires. It's a battle between flesh and the Spirit. This is what Paul writes. The battle is not based upon which one is more powerful. Can we all agree, biblically speaking, the spirit is more powerful than our flesh. We know that because we just read it, it was the spirit of God that rose Christ from the grave. Come on, somebody. This is important, this is how we read scripture. It helps us inform our thought processes about these things. So we know that our flesh is not more powerful than the spirit, but here's what is more powerful, our decision-making. Because the Spirit of God does not possess you. He does not pull you. He does not make you do things. You are not robotic. I have free will. So the flesh and the Spirit is really just an assessment of what is more important to me. Living sacrifices. Come on, is, is anybody in church today? It's getting quiet in this 915 service. Right? So the battle really comes down to what, what I have a greater desire for. So as living stones, we need to understand that we've got some help in this though. The Spirit of God helps us. And there's some things that take place in our life. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna like, kind of just fly through these really quick, ninja style, so just write the notes down. You can go back and watch the message afterwards. So what are some things that, that happen when we are Spirit-led? Well, here's the first one, we're led to truth. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Bible tells us that we are taught, John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Here's the third one, we are empowered for service, Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are renewed, Titus 3, 5 says this, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And then here's another one, we're given discernment. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but the person without the Spirit, listen to this, the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, 
because it's foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it's evaluated spiritually. I want that type of life. I wanna evaluate my life spiritually. Come on, somebody, I wanna evaluate my friendships spiritually. I wanna evaluate my relationships spiritually. I wanna evaluate my marriage spiritually. I wanna evaluate my finances spiritually. I wanna evaluate my Instagram account spiritually. I wanna evaluate my computer time spiritually. I wanna evaluate everything that I, I wanna evaluate my eyes and my mind and my feelings and my emotions and my life. Come on, somebody, spiritually. That's what he's saying. And this is what it means to be spirit-led. I don't know about you, but I wanna be spirit-led. I don't wanna be Jason-led. Jason's a knucklehead. <laughs> See, to be spirit-led is to find ourselves no longer tossed back and forth by the unwitting nature of our flesh, and rather find ourselves in the vast power and freedom found in through the Spirit of God. Now, one of my favorite writers is C.S. Lewis. You've heard me um, quote him a lot. And so he wrote this, and I love this. He said, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol. That'd be gas for us Americans in the house. And it would not run properly on anything else. God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. Or in the words of the great theologian, Bobby Boucher, it's my tackling fuel. <laughs> to be spirit, Lead. Living stones are spirit-led stones. We're no longer led by our flesh, we're no longer led by our desires, but rather we find ourselves submitted to a different reality in our lives. Come on, is anybody with me this morning? To be spirit-led. Number two, come on, every shot number two. Here's the second thing that living stones are, is living stones are connected stones. Living stones are connected stones. Jim Morrison from The Doors sings in his fame song this line. He says, people are strange when you're a stranger. Some of you are wondering right now, did you just quote Bobby Boucher and Jim Morrison in church? <laughs> yes, I did. I think it's really important for us to hear some of these things because one, who doesn't want tackling fuel? And then two, I think sometimes we need to examine what the world is saying to help us better understand what it is that we should be saying. Because God has an answer for all the things that the world is clamoring for. Come on, somebody. In Jesus, we actually have, like I'm just nutty enough to believe still that in Christ we have everything that we need. So Jim Morrison from The Doors sings, people are strange when you're a stranger. And I've noticed that to be true. That they're actually deep and profound words. I think it's an unfortunate statement, but it's a very true statement, but it doesn't have to be true. See, you could walk in here today as a guest with us or somebody who maybe hasn't been in a while and you would look around and you go, man, people are strange because you're a stranger. But the more that you are a part of a house, 
strangers move to friends and friends move to family. And then all of a sudden we become these other living stones being built into a spiritual household. You see what I'm talking about? So that's the point right now. We're living in a world that it's okay with everybody to be strangers. We think we're connected because we've got smartphones that tell us so on Facebook and Instagram, but how many of you would realize quickly lifting our heads up that the world around us is strange? And as Christ followers, the world should be strange because I should be a stranger to the world because my life is connected in a different way. People are strange. It's such a good song. I was talking to a friend of mine the other evening and this is what he said. He's in the room today so he'll know exactly who he is. But he said, I would have never thought that I would have called the well home. That's what he said. And it's like, why? He's like, well, the music, not my jam. There's a lot of shouting, not my jam. Right? There's all, there's all kinds of things, but him and his wife said, as they were looking for a place to call home, said, we wanna be where the Spirit of God is moving. Yeah. And please, let me just pause there. That's not an assessment on anything else or any other church. Don't, don't hear it as that. It was where God was lining them up to be a part of this house, yeah. to be a part of one of the living stones here. Yeah. Right? And so what happened is what was at first glance strange, yeah. when he was no longer a stranger, it became normalized. Yeah. Funny thing is, is that for many of us, it's how we work with God. We can't reconcile this relationship with God because, well, we don't press into him. We don't try to develop a relationship with him. So everything is strange. Worship is strange. Reading my Bible is strange. Prayer is strange. Giving is strange. All the things are strange, right? The whole discernment is strange. Like, what's this thing in me that's saying don't? Right? And some of us are like, we're waiting for Jiminy Cricket to like hop on our shoulder, <laughs> right? But that's not, that's not what's going on. It's the, it's the Spirit of God. And the more you lean into the Spirit of God, all of a sudden it becomes less strange and less strange. And guess what? I start because I'm walking with the Spirit because it's not a strange reality. He's not a stranger to me. So living stones are, are connected stones. So Paul addresses the interconnectedness that we're being built into in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through to 16. Like I said, lots of scripture today. I wanna, I wanna read this to you. It says, therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you've received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all, through all and in all. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, for it says that when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to the people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some. So here's what I want you to hear. There's, there's some architecture language in here. He said he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, Verse 12 is where I really wanna cue in on. He says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer 
B, little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in the love by the proper working of each individual part. I love this piece of scripture. This is the house that God is building. Now, I don't have time to break it all down in totality, but at some point we'll look at it in more depth in this series. But here's what I want us to see. If you've ever wondered, like just a quick, quick shot of like this, this house that God is building. God institutes leadership, oversight of the house in order to bring strength and direction. We know it as the five-fold ministry. We just read that. These elders, pastors, leaders, oversight are to, here it is, aid in the building of the house. Someone asked me last week, it was like a really loaded question, but a lot of fun. They were like, what do you think a pastor is? And I was like, well, here's my thought about what a pastor is, is a pastor is an air traffic controller. Come on. See, a lot of us have different perspectives as to what a pastor is. I think a pastor is an air traffic controller. And we're going like this, right? People are landing and people are taking off. And my job is to make sure that none of you kill each other. Air traffic controller, right? And so God's instituted leadership. He's, he's building with, with leaders, people who are devoted to this thing. And then this is what Paul highlights for us. What a house being built properly, living stones being built together, what it looks like. Five distinct identifiers. He says that saints are being equipped. Let me say that one more time. Saints are being equipped. That means you are, you are being equipped for kingdom work. A body is being built up. In other words, it's being encouraged. Hopefully every single weekend you come out, you leave here encouraged. Here's another mark, if you will, of a healthy church being built up by living stones is that unity is on display. Y'all with me? Unity is on display. I love this one. He says that truth is being taught. We've talked about that a lot around here is that this is our truth. So we read this, we read from this, we grow from this, we learn from this every single week. And then he says this is that there's growth in maturity. In other words, you are not meant to stay where you are at, but you are to grow into maturity. Is anybody with me today? So that means that there's gonna be challenge sometimes. And then this is what Paul says. Paul says that all of this is measured by Christ's fullness. So if you ever wanted just a quick kind of breakdown of what the church is supposed to be, what this house that he's building is, there it is right there. All of those things, saints are equipped, body is built up, unity is on display, truth is being taught, we are growing in maturity, and all of it is measured by Christ's fullness. This is where it all breaks down. Here's a big term, we've all heard it, we've all exercised it, individuality. 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 And this is a very high value for us in this current cultural climate that we're in right now, isn't it? I'm just... I'm just an individual. I wanna be individualistic. I wanna live my life and have nobody tell me how to do that, what that looks like. Don't get me wrong, I value diversity, being able to express who we are. Come on, somebody. 
I love this church because this is a diverse church. Young, old, black, white, everything in between, everything on the sides, everything on this side over here. We have political differences in this house. We have, we have uh, age differences in this house. We have stylistic differences in the house. We have, as we heard in the video, some people wear football jerseys to church and others come in their best and some of you come in sweatpants. I love it. I think it's awesome. Why? It's a house. But here's what we don't get, is we don't get to just live as individuals in the house. I love diversity, being able to express who we are through arts and style and clothes and professions. But what I'm not a fan of is when self becomes the highest goal and declares war on that which God is building, a spiritual house. And that's what self will do, is it will declare war on the very thing that God is trying to build. Listen to what Oswald Chambers says concerning this issue. The shell of individuality is God's created natural covering for the protection of the personal life. But individuality must go in order that the personal life may come out and be brought into fellowship with God. Individuality counterfeits personality as lust counterfeits love. God designed human nature for himself. Individuality debases human nature for itself. We don't get to be autonomous individuals if we're going to be living stones being built into a spiritual house. Y'all with me today? Now, when I say connected, it's not just to each other that we're connected to, but it's also the, the kingdom initiative that God is building. Now, I know this is, a, this is a unpopular position to have in our current culture, but there's a great truth in this that we must face, is that God is using living stones to build his house. Can we just bring the value of the church back? Okay, that was like four of you. Let's just try this one more time. JT brought sexy back. Can we bring the love of the church back? Right? And I think this is important because we all, we all clapped when JT brought sexy back. We're like, yeah, he's bringing sexy back. But then for some reason, something weird happens when we start talking about actually loving what God is building. Something happens in this where we're like, I don't, I don't know. And yes, we have baggage and we have church hurt and we have abuse and we have all of those things. But can I just say that when it's being built on this rock, then all of a sudden it can be the beautiful house that he's calling it to be. So we gotta bring some church love back. I get so frustrated when people throw rocks at the church. And there's what's happened. When we get connected, I just want you to hear this. We impact our homes when we're connected. We impact our cities when we're connected. We impact our nation when we're connected. We impact the world when we are connected. But here's what's really funny, is that a lot of us are trying to run around and do in the world what we seem to not be able to do in the church. Let me, say, come on, let me say that one more time. Many of us are running around trying to do in the world what we are unable or unwilling to do in the church. So we run around saying, I wanna love the world. You can't love the person you're sitting next to. Is that too much for the early service? <laughs> I wanna serve the world. I wanna serve and love people. It's like you can't even hop on the kids team. Do you guys see what I'm trying to poke at here? 
I, I love you as your pastor. I'm just simply saying that there's incongruence sometimes within, within the church world. We're just gonna run around and forgive everybody. You can't forgive your spouse. <laughs> right? The, the mountain is my church. It's where I worship God. Have you seen you worship here? Like I said, building a spiritual house. Y'all still love me? Don't shoot the messenger. I just, I'm just telling you what the Bible. <laughs> says, I talked to my kids the other day because they, they're, they're going out of control in each other right now. My two oldest, they're 10 and 11 and they're just, like head, like just banging heads right now. So I got him in the car after a blow up in the morning and I'm talking to him on the way to school. And I'm like, guys, I turned my, my son, I'm like, she's your only sister, which is technically not true, which he reminded me. He's like, well, I got one more. And so, <laughs> fair. But I was, in talking with him, I was like, hey, how we do our relationships in this family dictate how we do our relationships outside of this family. And it's true. Here, here's what I've realized about our marriage is that I don't want my kids to run around looking for what a healthy marriage looks like. So we're gonna show them what a healthy marriage looks like. Four of you are clapping, let's try that again. I just, I wanna see if we're in agreement here. I wanna show them what a healthy marriage looks like. Right? And we don't hold back. Like we'll hug and we kiss like each other in front of them and we're playful and we argue and we make up and we, and we have uh, say nice things and occasionally mean things and all those different things. But we show them in all of it how we, come on, am I talking to some families in here today, right? We're showing them how to do it healthfully. And it's really funny that somehow we've come together as living stones in a spiritual house and said, we're gonna do it unhealthy in here and then expect to do it healthy out there. Can I just say that as living stones being built into a spiritual health, how we do it in here matters. Last one. Number three. Living stones are surrendered and yielded stones. Living stones are surrendered and yielded stones. I wanna to go to the Old Testament, read us First Chronicles chapter 21, verses 18 through to 24. It says this. So the angel of the Lord ordered God, Gad, to tell David to go and set up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. David went up at Gad's command, spoken in the name of the Lord. Ornan was threshing wheat when he turned and saw the angel. His four sons who were with him hid, as you do. David came to Ornan, and when Ornan looked and saw David, he left the threshing floor and bowed to David with his face on the ground. So I want you to get this picture. This is a wild picture. David goes to Ornan. Ornan's threshing wheat. Ornan sees an angel. Kids run and hide. David comes in, and Ornan falls face on the ground, and he bows. His face is in the ground. Then David said to Ornan, give me this threshing floor 
King David, so you're gonna listen. Give me this threshing floor plot so that I may build an altar to the Lord on it. Give it to me for full price so the plague on the people may be stopped. Ornan said to David, take it, my Lord, the king may do whatever he wants. So it was David and his authority and David and his power and David and his prestige asked for something in the name of the Lord and Ornan says, sure, absolutely, here you go, take it. Watch this. Take it, my Lord, the king may do whatever he wants. See, I give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. Watch what David says. King David answers Ornan. No, I insist on paying the full price for I will not take for the Lord what belongs to you or offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. To be surrendered is to live a life of sacrifice. Living sacrifices look a certain way. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 1, that our bodies are to be a sacrifice. Philippians chapter four, verse 18, and Hebrews 13, verse 16 says that our resource and our possessions are to be a sacrifice. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says that our praise is to be a sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verses nine through 21 says our preference is to be a sacrifice. And Psalm 51, verse 17 says that God wants a contrite heart and a broken spirit. We are living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, being built into a spiritual house. I know this is not a popular message for this generation right now, but can I just tell you that I haven't set out to be a popular pastor. Set out to preach the word of God. We sow, we water, God gives the increase. But here's what I do take seriously is the building of his house. Living stones built on the living stone, connected together. I wish I had all the living stones to represent you all. But here's what, we just stack this and stack this and stack this. See, a lot of us are living like this when it comes to this thing called church, the house. But what God wants it to look like unified in everything together. And when you build it on the rock, it stands. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on and everybody shouted. Come on, I want to invite you to stand to your feet in this moment. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes all across this room today. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I wonder if there's anybody in this room today who has yet to say yes to Jesus, the original living stone. We don't become living stones by what we do. We, be- we become living stones by who he is. And it's surrendering and yielding our life to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around today, we're gonna pray a prayer, all of us together, so we don't leave anybody out. But maybe today you would say, man, Jason, 
I need to say yes to Jesus. I wanna become a living stone connected to him. And we're gonna pray that prayer all together. There's nothing fancy in these words, but rather the heart from which these words come. So come on with faith and expectation in this place today. Would you just pray this all together after me? Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. I'm sorry for doing it my way. And today I'm turning to follow your ways in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you're saying yes to Jesus, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I just wanna know that you're with us right here, right here in the back. Come on, anybody else today that would say, this is me right over here in the center. Come on, anybody else today that would say, this is my moment, I'm saying yes to Jesus in him becoming a living stone. Fantastic, so great, so great. Come on, can we lift our head, open our eyes? Can we just celebrate those who are saying yes to Jesus today? Come on. Listen, for those of you who lifted your hand, we're about to dismiss in, in just a second. Um, we have some new developments with this thing. After service, if you head out into the lobby, right in the middle of the lobby, you'll find some tables. We've got a Bible for you. And then we've got this great little booklet that we've designed for you that walks through, after I say yes, what next? And it's got illustrations and pictures for you. And we just talk about all kinds of things according to scripture and what the Bible says about these next, this next steps journey of just pursuing Jesus. So we're really excited to put that into your hands. So you get a Bible, you get that book right there. And we just wanna make sure that we can walk with you and stay connected with you in this journey of faith that we are all on in Jesus' mighty name. So if you lifted your hand today, make sure you have out there and grab a hold of that. Come on, can we lift our hands to heaven just one more time today? Father, we thank you for this service. We thank you for this moment. I thank you for living stones gathered, building the thing that you said you would build and you would use us to do so. So in our coming and in our going, may we be in your presence. May we know your grace. May we know that it's sufficient for us in moments of weakness and hardship. God, we look to you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and everybody shouted, amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you right back here next weekend. You're